days that Brother Charlie said, as long as he's been going here, and he's been going here a long time, hadn't you, Brother Charlie? As long as he's been going here, that that's the most he's ever seen here. That's amazing. That really is. Well done. That, you know, that's, that's, uh, that, that shows that people got out and worked. People got out and asked. You know, and you know, I'm looking at the names of the people that, that came and, you know, the people who fill out the cards and that kind of thing. And it wasn't really people maybe that I, that I didn't know, but they, you knew them. You know, it was somebody that you invited. That's how they came. That's how we filled the building today. It's because you asked people to come. And that's, that's how it's done. I mean, that, that, it's that easy, isn't it? It's really that easy. Just ask, and, and people will come if you ask them. Because they love you. They're your friends. They're your family. They love you. They want to please you. They do. They're good people. You know them. They're your friends. You're, they're, they're your family. They, they want to please you. And if they can do it, they'll do it. They'll come. And so it was, it was an amazing day. I, I really, really enjoyed it. Um, if you're visiting, we have a few visiting today. The third Sunday night of each month, the sermon deals with a New Testament question. This week's New Testament question is found in 1 Corinthians chapter 1 in response to some very serious problems in the church at Corinth. Paul writes this letter to straighten out the brethren there answer some questions that they had. And in 1 Corinthians chapter 1 and verse 10, Paul pleads with the church at Corinth to be unified, to speak the same thing, he says, that there be no divisions, but but perfectly joined, is what he says. Paul had heard from Chloe's household that contentions had arose in the brotherhood there. And in verses 12 and 13, Paul makes a series of quick statements. You can see from verse 12 here, quick statements, and then he follows them by quick rhetorical questions in verse 13, one of which is our question today. Look at verse 12. Now I say this, that each of you says, I am of Paul... I'm of Apollos, or I'm of Cephas, or I'm of Christ. And then Paul asks the first of the three questions, and it's our question today, is Christ divided? Is Christ divided? It was a rhetorical question. It was a rhetorical question to the Corinthian church, or at least one that screamed no, Is Christ divided? Of course Christ is not divided. The true church, the body of Christ on this earth with Jesus Christ as its head, Colossians chapter 1 verse 24, Ephesians chapter 5 verse 23, the true church is not divided. But Paul is speaking locally. Paul pleaded with the local church at Corinth. There were were contentions there. They had contentions. There there was not unity. And if that could be said of the church at Corinth, if that could be said of them, if their behavior warranted a question, is Christ divided? 
Could we make the same statements and ask the same question here at Fountainhead? Is Christ divided? We can have unity, but there are some obstacles to that unity. There are some obstacles to that unity that we'll look at today, but I also want to remind us that there's a division that's clearly taught in the Bible. And I want to look at that today as well. When we think about division in a worldly way, we might think of the advice of most investment counselors who say that one must have a diverse portfolio, one must divide their assets, one must divide their money into different profitable interests. This is a wise way to, to manage your money, to treat your money. When we think of division, we may think of an army divided on a complex field of battle to maintain flexibility, to be able to attack or to defend. They've got to be divided into different divisions, different modes of fighting war. Another positive attribute of division. The world sees division in a negative light too. Abraham Lincoln said in his first State of the Union address, a house divided against itself cannot stand. And we stand at the sesquicentennial of the Civil War. Lincoln understood the great peril of dividing a country by, by civil war. A house divided against itself cannot stand. A church divided against itself cannot stand. We can understand this danger for our country. We can even understand it in our families. I mean, how many of us have been affected? How many of us have been touched by division in our families? If we can understand the perils of division within our country or our family, why not the church? Why not the church? There are people at Fountainhead, and if you're visiting with us in your congregation too, there are people that believe that it doesn't matter what you believe. Maybe a shocker to you. So many, even in this church, wonder if everybody believes in the same God and everybody believes in the same Bible, then everybody, no, what, no matter what they believe about God or the Bible, is okay. Many non-Christians as well as Christians are confused. You know, many young people, they play for the same team on Friday or Saturday. They don't go into the same buildings on Sunday. There are men and women in the same social clubs but who occupy different buildings on Saturday and Sunday, don't they? Even families are divided. Your children, they can spend the night on Friday night with your relatives, but not on Saturday night because on Sunday they either don't go to church or they don't go to the church. If we look at the Corinthian letter as a whole, Paul deals with various subjects, but there's no way that the letter tries to solve all religious problems what he's urging though and we can find the answer to all religious problems in the Bible I'm talking about the letter to the Corinthians there 
What he's urging as a whole through all of his letters, Paul's letters, what he's urging for, what he's hoping for, what he's praying for, what we should be about the business of is unity. Unity. We need to maintain unity. And we can do that if we let the Bible and the Bible only be our God. In the Bible, we read of the one church, the one true church. And the church is not the error that blots our landscape. Jesus promised He would build His church. Matthew chapter 16, verse 18. Jesus has brought whosoever will through obedience to the gospel into the church, His church, with the intent, Ephesians chapter 3, verse 10, that now the manifold wisdom of God might be made known by the church to the principalities and powers in the heavenly places. Jesus built His church. In Acts chapter 2, verse 47, the Lord added to the church daily those who were being saved. If He built His church, if He built His church, why don't we read of more than one church in the Bible? If He built more than one church, why don't we read about it? But many, even in this room, even in this room, have the false worldly view that all churches make up the church. But that's not true. There's only one church. It's not to be divided. Is Christ divided? How do I know people feel this way here? How do I know that other peoples in the Lord's congregations feel this way? Well, I've talked to them. I've talked to some of you. I've been chastised at other places for speaking the truth. But the main reason I know is because the Bible tells me so. We are blessed here at Fountainhead to have a strong United leadership, our elders are growing together, they're learning together, they're working together, all to God's glory and your benefit. But Paul told the Ephesian elders in Acts chapter 20 that even among yourselves, division and its evil will arise. How do I know the Bible tells me so? And folks, when that happens, it's hard. I've seen it. Some survive and some don't. But even faithful Christians, and I've seen some here at Fountainhead, even faithful Christians here at Fountainhead can fall from the faith. Fall from the faith. Paul writes to Timothy in the first letter, First Timothy chapter four, verse one. Now the Spirit expressly says that in latter times some will depart from the faith. Notice they depart from the faith. There's only there's only one faith. That means they knew the faith at one time and they departed from it. That's sad. I know them. You know them. They're gone, and for no good reason. The reason that they would give you could never be good. Look back at 1 Corinthians chapter 1. Their problems, according to Chloe, started with contentions. 
contentions. Now, this, gets, this could be translated strife. It could be translated wrangling. I, I like to think of wrangling like, like calf wrangling. You know, you try to get a calf, get, on the, get it down on the ground. I think of wrangling like, like, you, like you take your little brother around the head and your, your little sister and give them a noogie. Wrangle them around. What you're doing when you grab your little brother or your little sister around the head and you give them a noogie, you're bending them to your will. James expands on this type of behavior. James chapter 3, verse 16, For when envy and self-seeking exist, confusion and every evil thing are there. And there is confusion until we get on the same page. And the same page is the Word of God. The same page is the Word of God. And where man, if, if we turn from the inspired truth, 2 Timothy chapter 3, verse 16, and do not love the truth. 2 Thessalonians chapter 2, verses 16 through 14, or 10 through 14. If we, if man, if we seek to destroy or devour ourselves or, or run down others in the brotherhood without knowing all the facts, we tear Christ limb from limb. In John chapter 17, verses 20 and 21, Jesus praise for unity. He says that we, we would all be one. As He and the Father are one, we would be one. But so many say that our, our unity is our diversity. This type of thinking rejects the Lord's prayer. It rejects Paul's plea. Jesus is the head of the church, not the elders, not the deacons, not the preacher, not a committee, not the majority, not the minority. Christ is the head of the church, His body. Ephesians chapter 1, verses 22 and 23. And His church, His true church, the church of Christ, His true church is not divided. We have a pattern that we follow. Colossians chapter 3, verse 17. Jesus Christ is our pattern. And blessed is He who does His commandments. Revelation chapter 22, verse 14. We need to recognize and respect the, the authority of the Lord's New Testament. I'm an optimist, though I understand people to be basically good. I think that most folks don't do malicious things to the body of Christ maliciously. The main obstacle to unity in... It's why we really need to impress upon each other, and we really need to impress, impress this upon our children. The main obstacle to unity here or anywhere is ignorance. Yeah, ignorance. Ignorance of God's Word. I'm not trying to make fun of anybody. That's, that's not my point right now. People just don't know, though. There are those in our midst and there are those outside these walls who worship in ignorance. 
how do I know? The Bible tells me so. Acts chapter 17, verse 22. Their understanding is darkened and they are alienated from the life of God through ignorance. Ephesians chapter 4, verse 17. And it is God's will, it's God's will, 1 Peter chapter 2, verse 15, that we put to silence the ignorance of foolish men. That's God's will for you, Christian. John chapter 8, verse 32, it is the truth that will make you free. And we need to be about the truth business with each other and those outside these walls instead of the contention business. There is division in the Bible. But it's not what I've been talking about today. There is division in the Bible, but it's different from worldly division. In Genesis... Chapter 1, verse 4, God divided the day and the night. In Genesis chapter 2, verse 21, God separated man from woman and then brought them together again. In Genesis chapter 6, Noah and his family were separated from the rest of the world, Peter says, in 1 Peter 3, verse 20, through water. Abraham, the children of Israel, they were all set apart for a purpose. God's purpose. Godly division originates from God, not man. Notice the unspoken unity and division. Notice, notice these are some of my favorite passages in the Bible. Galatians chapter 3, starting with verse 27. Notice the unspoken unity and division of, of this particular verse right here. For as many of you, and that's a lot, for as many of you, that, that includes a lot of us here, for as many of you as were baptized into Christ, baptism was the funnel wherein, wherein one got into Jesus Christ. It's where we have unity. We have put on Christ. For as many of you who were baptized into Christ have put on Christ. Another unity statement. We all wear the same clothes. Do you see that? We all put on Christ. We all wear the same clothes. But notice what's not written here. What, notice what's not written here. What's not written, and it screams to us in its silence. What's not written here is, if you have not been baptized, you are not in Christ. You don't wear Christ clothes. That's a brand name everybody should want to wear. Christ clothes. You get them here in the waters of baptism. You put on Christ in baptism. Look at verse 28. Chapter, Galatians chapter 3, verse 28. There is neither Jew nor Greek, slave nor free, male nor female. Unity, unity, unity. Why? Because we are all one in Christ. Why? Because we put Christ's clothes on. How? Well, we were baptized into Him. The silence virtually jumps off the page. That division exists outside Jesus Christ. That if you're not one with Him, then you're outside Him. If you're outside, you're lost. Can't make it any plainer. Look at verse 29. And if you are Christ's, then you're Abraham's seed and heirs according to the promise. This verse silently screams division. 
God-ordained division. Because if you are not an heir of the promise, you are divided from the body of Christ. That's God's demarcation line, not mine. That's God's dividing line, not mine. I'm just telling you what the book says. I just want to be a Christian. That's all I want to be. I just want to be a Christian. When the answer to is Christ divided, I answer no. Because I'm a Christian. And in my life, Christ is not divided. I want to be a follower of the Bible, a servant of the Most High God. Don't you? Don't you want that? Don't you want that for your own life? Don't you want that for your children? Oh, I do. I want to love you enough. And I want you to love me enough for you to accept what Paul says in Ephesians chapter 4, beginning with verse 1. I want you to love me enough, and I want to love you enough to accept this. Ephesians chapter 4, verse 1. I therefore, the prisoner of the Lord, beseech you to walk worthy of the calling with which you were called, with all lowliness and gentleness, with long-suffering, bearing with one another in love, endeavoring to keep the unity of the Spirit in the bond of peace. There is one body and one Spirit, just as you were called in one hope of your calling, one Lord, one faith, one baptism, one God and Father of all, who is above all and through all and in you all. Folks, if you want to be a part of this all, if you want to be a part of this all, you can be. You can come back if you've left. You can be baptized into Him if you desire. But if you don't want to come back or be baptized, you'll remain divided. You'll remain divided from the body of Christ. You'll remain divided from salvation. You'll remain divided from the salvation that God provides through His Son, Jesus Christ. Is Christ divided? No, He's not. Why don't you come and be one with Him this evening? Be one with Christ. Right now, without delay, as together we stand and sing.